resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. Morning, everybody. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship this morning. Those of you that are here and those of you that are watching this, we just give thanks and praise to the Lord God. Almighty, amen, we serve a good God, amen, and he does wonderful things, and he wants to do wonderful things today in our midst, and Lord, we're so grateful and thankful for your goodness and your grace, which you pour out abundantly on us, and Lord, we're just going to honor you this morning, we welcome your presence here, and we thank you for moving by your power and your goodness in Jesus' name, amen, let's worship the Lord together. Amen, let's stand together.
bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, let's just bless our God for a moment. Bless His holy name. Lord, we lift up your name in our lives, in this house, in this place. We bless you, Lord Jesus, with all that we are. We glorify your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty. Oh, we adore you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We acknowledge you in all of our ways, that you may direct our paths. Hallelujah. And Lord, we're so grateful that you put on flesh and you dwelt among us. You showed us the way. And Lord, you speak to your people. So we listen to you now. For I am the Almighty God. I am strong and mighty and loving and kind. I will deliver you from anything that comes against you. I will rescue you if trouble comes your way. Oh, take heed, my children, for today is your day that I walk among you and dwell among you and work among you and work in you. I'm going to see you through. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen, amen. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. What a great day it is. Amen. Glory to God, and it's great to have our good friends and ministry partners, Steve and Beverly Hoffman. That's a great surprise. It's good to have you here. Hallelujah. Well, are you excited that we get the privilege and the honor of speaking God's yes. word? Amen. He delegated his authority to us. Yes. And he put it down in a book. And when we speak his words in his name, it's like him speaking them uh, himself. Amen. So we're going to make our confession. Amen. Let's make our confession based on the word. Our, our victory, victory comes, comes through faith in God and obedience to his word. The Lord does marvelous things for us. And by, and by his, his right, right hand and holy arm, we gain the victory. The Lord makes us victorious wherever we go. Our victory comes to us through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we are thankful to him. We overcome our accuser, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we do not fear death. 
Because I am born of God, I overcome the world. My victory over the world is my faith in Jesus as the Son of God. As an overcomer, I partake of eternal life, and I am rescued from hell. As an overcomer, I partake of God's heavenly bread, and I have power over the nations. As an overcomer, I'm clothed in pure white, and my name is written in the book of life. In all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loves us. We are persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Hallelujah. In just a moment, uh, we'll watch a video in honor of Memorial Day. And, uh, you know, Jesus knows what it means to give your life for someone else. He was the greatest soldier of all. And uh, he told the people who crucified him, he said, you're not taking my life. I'm laying it down. And uh, he knew exactly what he was doing, and he was glad to do it. I just want to, let, I just want to uh, encourage you this morning, um, in your giving this morning, you know, God is a good God. And he is a God who rewards. Amen. Aren't you glad that our God is a rewarder of them that seek him? And in uh, Genesis chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, it said that Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. You might say that he brought Fluffy. He, this was the best sheep that he had. And you know, he went through the flock to pick out the best that he had. You know why? Because he was giving it to God. And the Lord had respect and regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. See, Cain just went and got something. He didn't really look at it, didn't really, really wasn't concerned about it. You know, ah, oh, this will do. You know, and uh, so Cain was exceedingly angry. And notice what the Lord said. And he looked sad and depressed. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why do you look uh, sad and depressed and dejected if you do well? He was giving him an opportunity to do it right. Amen. He said, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin crouches at the door and its desires for you, but you must master it. So whenever we give things to God, whether it's our time, our talent, or our treasure, you know what? He deserves the best. He gave us the best, didn't he? So, Father, I'm so grateful and thankful for every giver 
in this place and in this family, Lord, both here and online. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise. It is our honor and our privilege to give our very best of you to you, Lord. And we just bless you today. And I thank you, Lord, that in return, you reward and bless the givers and you receive their gifts, Father, and you cause it to multiply back unto them and overflow and abound with blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to watch a video. those who died in defense of our country, in defense of us, in wars far away. The imagination plays a trick. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise. We see them as something like the founding fathers, grave and gray-haired. But most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything for our country, for us. We owe them a debt we can never repay. All we can do is remember them, what they did, and why they had to be brave for us. Father, <clears throat> Father, we just thank you for the sacrifices that have been made to make this country and to maintain this freedom that you so graciously give. And Lord, we bless those <clears throat> families who have lost their loved ones in the battlefield or while serving this country. And Lord, we just thank you for your comfort and grace to be upon them. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, if you're a 2021 graduate, I want you to stand up. If you're a 2021 graduate, let's give our graduates a hand. We honor them for their accomplishments. Hallelujah. Amen. Awesome.
Glory to God. All right, we have some kids in here who appreciate, we, we love our kids and we're so grateful that you're here for Kids Life. And then we know that you're going to have a great time in the Lord. So let's dismiss you to our class. Kids, have a great class. Be blessed. Enjoy your time together. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word this morning? Hallelujah. We had a great uh, wedding yesterday. So Devon and Abby, they're enjoying their time. Hallelujah. It was a busy week this week. Had Barnabas group yesterday. Had a good time. Amen. And I'm glad to be sharing the word again this morning. Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to turn to First uh, Timothy chapter 4. You know, we're living in a time where deception is rampant. And there are, I mean, Satan is a deceiver. One of the weapons that he uses to try to get people away from God is deception. And, um, but God has given us a way to not be deceived. Aren't you glad for that? So my message this morning to you is avoiding the deception of the enemy. Don't be deceived. Because whether you know it or not, the enemy is a dirt bag. He is the father of lies. And he operates under the cover of, <clears throat> of darkness and secrecy. But uh, we have the light of the Lord. <clears throat> See, because deception causes someone to deny the truth and accept something that's false. And when someone is deceived, they may or may not know it. But in 1 Timothy chapter 4... Beginning with uh, verse 1, he gives us some insight. You might be reading the uh, headline of a news story when you read this. He said, now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, we are in those times now. Notice it says times. It's not just a certain time, but there are several moments of time in that. Some shall depart from the faith. Why? Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So they're listening to something. They're hearing something that is causing them to leave the faith. A slow moving away. All right. Notice verse two. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. A hypocrite is a play actor. They say one thing and do another. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron 
forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them, uh, which believe and know the truth for every creature is good and nothing is refused. If it be received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. And then I want you to go to second Timothy chapter three, second Timothy chapter three. And verse 1. He's also speaking here again about the last days. Know this also. I'm going to read this from the Amplified. Understand this. That in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble. Anybody saw some stress or trouble even recently in our world, in, in the world that we live in? Right? He says, will come difficult days that will be hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self. They're putting self first. Right? Narcissistic, self-focused. See, amplified. Lovers of money, impelled by greed. Hate, boastful, arrogant, revilers disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be unloving, devoid of uh, natural human affection, calloused and inhumane, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, devoid of self-control, intemperate, immoral, brutal haters of good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of sensual pleasure. All these things will cause a person to be deceived and leave the Lord and walk away from truth. All right? And uh, so, um, but God has an answer. And I'm going to give you that answer. Amen? We don't, so look at your neighbor and say, you don't have to be deceived. There is a truth. Right? God is a God of truth. His truth is a cure. It's a deception preventative. If you want to get inoculated with something, get inoculated with truth. Right? Get inoculated with faith. Amen? And we got to stick close to the truth, don't we? Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Or, I'm sorry, verse 14. Ephesians 4. And 14, so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea, carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine. Aren't you glad that we don't have, we don't have shifting doctrine in the Word of God? You don't need to add anything to the Bible. You don't need to take away anything from the Bible. Just take it as it is. It is perfect. It's forever established in heaven. God's word is so good that he didn't have to change his mind. You're never going to hear God say, oops, I didn't mean to say that. He always means what he says and says what he means. By the cunning trickery of unscrupulous men. By the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. Sounds to me like 
They're intent on deceiving. So here's what the Bible says. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 and verse 6. You know, the Bible clearly tells us don't be deceived. It says it actually a few times. We're going to look at those things. All right? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6. King James says, Let no man deceive you with words, with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Is that pretty clear? Don't let any man deceive you. How can I let not anyone deceive me? By sticking close to the truth. By knowing the truth, loving the truth, studying the truth, eating the truth. Amen? You don't have to be deceived. The Bible gives us the answer. Don't be deceived. He's warning us. Why? There will be people trying to deceive. The enemy is a deceiver. He will try to deceive people. He tried to deceive Jesus. If you're the son of God, why don't you make these breads and this, or these stones into bread? Jesus was already the son of God. He wasn't confused about it. He knew exactly who he was. But the enemy says, if you're the son of God. I mean, really? Right? Oh, if you eat that fruit, you're not going to die. What a liar. He's a deceiver. He doesn't tell the truth. So the truth is like a pin to the enemy's deceptive balloon. You can pop his deception with truth. Right? So don't be deceived. Let no man deceive you. Okay? All right, let's go to Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. You know, the world tells people today that if you were born a man, you could choose to be a woman without changing anything, just by my choice. That's deceptive. All you got to do is look at the plumbing and figure it out. That tells the truth, doesn't it? God was not confused when he made you. So why are you confused about how he made you? Because that's a deception that's trying to take place today. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Oh, there must have been a temptation when Israel took over another nation to worship that nation's gods. It happened to Solomon, a wise man who was given the wisdom of God. He had a lot of foreign wives. He had, what, 700 wives, 300 concubines. I mean, that's just... But if you read the story of Solomon at the end, his heart was turned away from God, the end of his life. Because he, he got into worshiping other gods. And he was led into worshiping other gods by people who were close to him. 
So don't, don't take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived. Because when your heart is deceived, what's going to happen? You will turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. You'll be worshiping other gods and not even know that you're doing something wrong. You'll think that you're, you're doing something right. That's how deception works. There's two Greek words for the word deceived. One is apoteo. And it means to deceive using tactics like seduction or giving distorted impressions. You know, the enemy uses scripture, but he perverts it. You've got to be able to say to the enemy, it was written, but you also have to be able to say, it is also written. Right? That's what Jesus said. He said, it is written, but then he said, it is also written. Why? Because the enemy was trying to use the scripture. But he's a liar. He can't use the scripture. You know, if you put the truth in the hands of a liar, it's not going to work. Because the enemy can't tell the truth. He can't be honest. He can't say, hello, I'm the devil. I'm going to deceive you today. You know, he does it in secret. He does it in darkness. He does it when no one's looking. He whispers things. He suggests things. And we've got to stick to the truth. To be deceived means you go into error. It means... It's, it's often an appeal to the senses that starts you on the road to deception. And then the other word for deceived is planeo. And it means to go astray or to get off course, to deviate from the correct path. You know, I sometimes have a habit of missing turns. And whenever we take a family trip, it's probable, it's likely that we might have to do a U-turn or turn around. Because I've missed an exit or I've missed a turn. Oh, I missed that. I've got to turn around. So every time now we're, when we're in the car, we laugh about it, you know, because i got to turn around. We're like, yeah, I got off course, right? Especially when I didn't even have GPS and sometimes even with GPS. I'll never forget, I was going to New York, and I wasn't familiar with the way, and so my GPS, I just let my GPS lead me. It led me through the Holland Tunnel in Manhattan. I was supposed to go to Queens. It took me an extra hour and a half to get to where I was going, because I got off course. You know, because sometimes even with the GPS, it says, turn left, and you're thinking the left is now, but it's no, 300 feet. But to be deceived means you're misled. In other words, something else is leading you. A person who got deceived, someone else was leading them to where they got to. It wasn't Jesus. It wasn't the Holy Ghost. It means to be led aside from the path of virtue and go astray. It means to wander or to roam. Remember when cell phones first came out? And they had roaming charges. If you got out of your home area, you had to pay extra for roaming. 
Right? It, it, it's going to cost you more to roam. It's going to cost you more to wander. We've got the greatest GPS system ever, the Holy Spirit. Amen? So he says, don't be deceived. All right, go, go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Hallelujah. I think the Lord led me to do this because there's deception happening in the world. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that no one from VCF is deceived. I'm armed with a devil-busting devil patriot missile. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall inherit the kingdom of God? Notice this list. Be not deceived. No fornicator or idolater or adulterer or effeminate or abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But praise God, I'm not that anymore. Why? I met Jesus. But you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Hallelujah. Just because we made a mistake in our life doesn't mean we have to be stuck in that mistake. Jesus will wash our mistakes away. He will bring us out of the pit. He's a deliverer. He's a rescuer. Hallelujah. He delivered us from hell. He went there himself so that we don't have to go. But notice, be not deceived. Everyone who's doing one of those things is deceiving them. You know, if, if you're involved in sex outside of marriage, you're being deceived in any form. If you're worshiping an idol, something that's not God, if something other than God takes up all your time, all your resources, all your energy, you're being deceived. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's kind of a slow process. How many have ever heard about the frog in the kettle? You know, you could put a frog in a pot and some cold water and he's going to be having a good time. You know, he's going to be flopping. But if you slowly turn the temperature up, he's not going to know the difference. The water is going to start to get warm, but eventually it's going to be boiling. And guess what? He can't escape. The other day, I, I, I was watching this nature program, and it was showing India, and this cobra had, had gotten this toad, right? And this toad was halfway in its mouth, but the toad puffed itself up so much that the cobra couldn't swallow it, and he had to spit it out. <laughs> Amen. I thought that was cool. The frog got away. Hallelujah, because he puffed himself up. Notice the Bible said, do not be deceived. That's a pretty good warning, isn't it? 
See, those who live immoral lives constantly and continually, we're talking about a habit, not, not a one-time occurrence. And they feed their fleshly desires. They do not abide in God. They will be deceived. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You know, I have to get in my mind sometimes. In my mind, I think that every message is just going to cause us to hoop and holler and run the aisles, but that's just not so, right? Not every message will do that. But sometimes we need to hear the message, amen? So I would call this a broccoli, Brussels sprout, asparagus message, right? For those of you that just don't like veggies, this is a veggie message. Hallelujah. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. The Amplified says, bad company corrupts good morals. If you're hanging around bad people, guess what? You're going to eventually become bad. Bad to the bone. Right? I'm bad to the bone. How'd you get that way? I was hanging around bad people. The Bible says, be not deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. It's about a relationship issue. You know, if you're hanging around the wrong people, people are like elevators. They either take you up or take you down. Right? And sometimes... When we get a hold of God or God gets a hold of us, we have to separate ourselves from some people. Why? Because they will have an effect on you. Now, Jesus hung around. He he ate ate at, at Pharisees' houses, you know, but they weren't his close friends. Because every time he was in the atmosphere, he changed the atmosphere. Right? I mean, he'd be at dinner and a woman would walk up and anoint him with oil, you know. And it was always a testimony of of the goodness of God and the grace of God. But the Bible says once again, do not be deceived. Why would the Bible say that? Because the possibility of being deceived exists. (laughs) You know, as a pastor... I have the privilege of overseeing a church, which is a family of God. I've seen a lot of people come and go over the years. Some left for good reasons, but the majority have been deceived. Because they're led by something else. They're led by their anger. Or their bitterness. Amen? Alright, let's, let's move on. Let's go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Don't worry, I'm going to tell you how deception occurs, but I'm going to tell you the answer to it too. Amen? Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. The King James says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. 
For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So deception can come when you're sowing to the wrong thing. Do you realize when you sow to something, the seed gets intermingled with the soil? Because the soil unlocks the power of the seed. And if you're sowing into the wrong thing, you're unlocking the wrong power. Isn't there such thing as good ground and bad ground? Absolutely. Right? Notice what he says. He that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption or destruction. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. How many want to reap life everlasting? Well, then sow to the Spirit. How many want to reap death? I don't see any hands. Well, then don't sow to the flesh. And let us not be weary in well-doing. Oh, here we go again. Another opportunity to do good. Whew, I'm getting tired of this. Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap if we faint not. If you faint, you miss your, you miss your harvest. Everybody say, due season. See, I have a due season coming to me. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Yeah, it's good to do good, but when you have an opportunity to do good of a, of a member of the household of faith, that's when you really want to take that opportunity. Amen? Why? Because that's good ground to sow in. So don't, be, don't allow yourself to be ridiculed or treated with contempt. Or don't set God's principles aside. You know, the enemy, you know what happens when the word of God goes forth? He immediately tries to steal it from you. Because he knows if that word gets in your heart, he's in deep, deep, deep trouble. I wanted to say doo-doo, but... Why would the enemy try to prevent the word from getting into your heart? Because he knows the effect. Why would he try to steal it if it wasn't valuable? Why would he try to stop it the minute it was sown? Why? Because if he can take the word from you, he can deceive you. Because if you don't have the word, you don't have the truth. And if you're not putting yourself in a position to hear the truth on a regular basis, you're going to be deceived. I don't want you to be deceived. God doesn't want you to be deceived. He wrote it in his book. Don't be deceived. Hallelujah. Let's go to James. The book of James. Chapter 1. We're rooting out deception today. There's a lot of deception in the world today. I mean, it happens before our eyes. Experts say one thing one week and another thing another week, and they contradict themselves. Do you realize that the Pharisees 
couldn't pin anything on Jesus, so they had to get false testimony. If you read the trial of Jesus, and even the false testimonies didn't agree. But yet they came to the conclusion, we're going to crucify you. Why? Because the Pharisees were deceived. Well, Jesus laid down his life anyway. All right? James 1, 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. So anyone who endures temptation and wins, you receive the crown of life. Did you know that you can walk away from temptation? Did you know that you can say no to temptation? When the enemy tries to suggest something to you as a temptation, you can say no. You can resist it. Which the Lord promised them, to, to them that love him, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. God is not a tempter. God will test you, but he doesn't tempt you. What does it mean to tempt someone? To put something good in front of them that leads them to a trap. A temptation is something that looks good, smells good, maybe even feels good, but the whole motive of it is to get you into a trap. It's to lead you off the path that you need to be on. You can't be motivated by circumstances. You know, some people have followed a a promotion that offered greater money, but when they got to the place, there was no church to worship in. It was a trap. Not everything that glitters is gold. There isn't such a thing called fool's gold. I found some gold. No, I fooled you. God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away on his own lust. What's a lust? It's a strong desire. doesn't matter what the thing is for. A lust can be for a lot of things. We use it in terms of uh, sexuality a lot, but it's, it's also lust for power, lust for money. Right? He is drawn away on his own and, and is enticed. Samson had two wives. Well, he was involved with two women. Both of them enticed him to betray his secret. I don't have time to go in there, but between Samson's two wives, they used nine things to entice him to get his secret. Maybe sometime I'll share that, but not today. So, when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. What is it? Lust conceived means you you acted on it. It went from your head to your heart, right? Do you realize there was a time in David's life when he was the king of Israel. He was supposed to be at war, where all the kings were at war, but David wasn't. This was a setup of the enemy. He couldn't sleep, right? The enemy was agitating him. The enemy was provoking him. I can't sleep. I can't. So I'm going to take a walk out on my balcony. And what do I see when I go on the balcony? Bathsheba is taking a shower. The king's palace is is elevated so he can look down. Now, he should have just closed his eyes and said, Lord, I'm sorry, and walked away, but he didn't. 
He watched. And he let that sin conceive in his heart. It began to brew. It began to boil. It, it, it took root in his heart. Then he said, go get me Bathsheba. She's, a, she's married to another man. But who's going to deny the king? Right? So she comes. He has his way with her. Right? That's what sin conceived means. It took, it took him and it, it, it produced action. That's sin conceived. And, and from there, he had to commit murder. And guess what? God saw it all. And God confronted him. And when he was confronted, he repented. Thank God. Aren't you glad for repentance? I'm so glad that God put that into his plan. Thank you, Jesus. Repentance is a Christian's U-turn. Amen? Because you've been going the wrong way. And repentance is a way. Turn, recalculating, make a U-turn, right? Did you know that GPS gives, makes you, allows you to make several U-turns? If you miss a U-turn, go to the next block and make a U-turn. Isn't that awesome? Notice what verse 16 says. Do not err. That's the same thing as saying do not be deceived. Because deception will ultimately get you into error. All right? Do not err, my beloved. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Look at what the Bible is pleading with us. Don't be deceived. There's going to be opportunities, but we can resist it. Amen? We have the truth. We have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have the shield of faith, which quenches every fiery dart of the wicked one. We have the weapon of light. Every one of us has the Lord's weapons. And we can combat deception. No deception can, can take hold of us. Why? Because we're wiser than our enemies. Did you know that we can be wiser than Satan? Amen? Yeah, we are wiser than Satan. We're not ignorant of his devices. And we can avoid his traps. The arrow that flies by day. Right? We were delivered from it. Psalm 91, right? Hallelujah. The Bible calls the main deceiver Antichrist. Think about that. The one who's going to be revealed at the end time is the Antichrist. But, but first John tells us that there are many Antichrists in the world. There are many of those who deceive. Did Jesus ever mention false prophets? False teachers? Well, what's a false prophet going to do? He's going to prophesy to you lies. Right? False teachers going to teach you wrong things. Jesus said they're going to, come, they're going to be there in the last days. We've got to be adherers to the truth. Alright? So, let me just give you some ways that deception occurs. Okay? According to John 7, verse 18, when people speak of their own accord or seek their own glory, they don't seek the honor of God. 
When you, when you magnify self, you are on the road of deception. What did they approach John? Remember? They went to John, the Pharisee. They, they were instigators. They were always trying to stir up trouble. They didn't go to Jesus to ask questions and get answers. They asked him questions to trip him up. And they said, hey, John, how come Jesus' disciples are, are, are baptizing more people than you? And John said, he must increase. I must decrease. John was not out there to promote himself. John was in to introduce the world to Jesus. And he knew that. And he refused to give in to the temptation of pride. What was the very first sin in the kingdom of God? Pride! Who had it? Satan! What did it cause? He got kicked out of heaven! He exalted himself. Iniquity was found in his heart. The first sin got him kicked out of heaven. And now he's stuck to be a deceiver. He's stuck in a lie. He, he can't tell the truth if his life depended on it. He lost his anointing. He lost his place. He lost his position. Why? Because he was deceived. And now he wants to deceive everyone else who's associated with Jesus. But we're not going to let him, are we? We're going to let Jesus have his way, not Satan. Amen? So I'm just going to give you the reference and say what it says. All right, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 20. He talks about an idolater. A deceived mind led him astray. See, deception... It's, it prevents you from knowing what is true. A dear friend of ours, who's in heaven now, he was presented with an opportunity to invest money. And so he took his entire life savings, all that he had, and he invested his money and it turned out to be a scam. At first, they started sending him some, a, a return. But then they sent him an IOU. After a couple months. He lost his entire life savings. Why? Because he was deceived. In that moment. By, see the enemy, this is what he does. And he's been doing it a long time. He's actually good at it. He has perfected it. And the only way that he can do it is through thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. The enemy can't get you in a headlock. Say, I'm going to tempt you. He can't twist your arm. Say, if you're not tempted, I'm going to break your arm. No. He, he simply suggests. He gives a thought. Or an idea. And if we take that idea or thought or suggestion, we're, we're, we're going on the path of a wrong direction. And it's the path of a deception. So, if you're an idolater, idolatry is a form of deception. I mean, think about it. You're worshiping something that was made by man that can't talk, can't walk. I mean, when Israel, they worshiped the golden calf. That story just cracks me up. 
Because when, when Moses came down and he's all angry, you know, and he comes to Aaron. And Aaron says, I just took the gold and the earrings and threw it in the fire and out came this calf. Liar. The Bible says he fashioned it with a hammer and a chisel. He made the calf. What are you telling me throwing it into the fire and out comes a calf? And there they were dancing and singing, praising this calf that delivered them from Egypt. There wasn't no calf that delivered them from Egypt. No cow, no horse. It was the God Almighty. Amen? And, and that was only 40 days after they were delivered. Moses was gone for 40 days. And the whole nation was in deception. 40 days. Didn't take long. Aaron, Moses isn't coming back. Make us a calf. Okay. Obadiah 1.3 talks about prayer, pride and arrogance of your heart have deceived you. Pride and arrogance are deceivers. It's false confidence in yourself. Thinking you can do all things through your strength. Have you tried? We found out that that doesn't work too well, does it? Because guess what? The human body gets tired. The human body has limits, right? We can't do all things in our own strength, but in the strength of Christ we can do all things. Not our own strength. When we put our trust in Him, when we have a relationship with Him, when we put Him in the forefront, then we can do all things. Through Him, with Him, not apart from Him. That's the key. Micah 2.11 says, um, uh, talks about a man walking in a false spirit, sporing deception. And he should lie. You know, when, when you're deceived, you're lying. Deception is a lie. Hollywood is a lie. They build sets to destroy them. You see how many cars in movies that can be wrecked? They build them specifically to be wrecked. They're, they're, they build sets. That's why it's called the land of make-believe. It makes you believe something. When I, the first time I saw Superman, I thought I could fly and I was wrong. I jumped off my steps and I landed hard. But I thought I could fly because I saw Superman fly. But you see, if you, if you create a deception well, it makes you believe that you can do it. And then you find out it's wrong. But you don't find out it's wrong until you do it. All right? Isaiah 57. I want you to go here. Isaiah 57 and verse 3. I want you to read this with me. Hallelujah. Are you doing good this morning? God knew that someone needed this message. I certainly didn't come up with this on my own. Isaiah 57, verse 3. But draw near here, you sons of the sorcerers, seed of adulterers, 
Oh, and King James is pretty harsh. The whore or prostitute. <laughs> Against whom you sport yourselves. Against whom you make a, a wide mouth and draw the tongue. It means you're, you're, you're mocking. Right? Are you not children of transgression, a seed of falsehood? Inflaming yourselves with idols under every green tree. The Amplified says, inflame yourselves with the lust of pagan rites. Slaying the children. Oh my goodness, is, is not children being slain in our, our country today? It's called abortion. And, and what do they do to get a woman to abort her baby? Deception. Oh, we just provide medical services. No, you don't. You kill babies. Let's call it for what it is. Among the smooth stones of the stream is your portion, and they are your lot. Even to them have you poured a drink offering. Offering to stones? Sounds like idolatry, doesn't it? You have offered meat offerings. Should I receive... You know, when I visited Guyana, you can see the Hindus. They're down by the ocean shore and they're offering uh, coconuts and, and mangoes and pineapples and other things. And they're offering them to the ocean. They practice idolatry. They worship three or four million gods, how many ever they are. You've got to be deceived. Upon a lot, verse 7, upon a lofty and high mountain have you set your bed. Even there you went up to offer sacrifice. Verse 8, behind the doors also and the posts have you set up a remembrance. You know, your little charms you set up in your homes. That's what it's talking about. Things that are idols. Maybe you don't know that it's an idol. But you're setting it up, you know. These little things. These little trinkets. Right? That's what it's talking about. You have discovered yourself to another than me. You are gone up. You have enlarged your bed and made a covenant with them. You love their bed where you saw it. And you went to the king with ointment and did increase your perfumes and did send your messengers far off and did debase yourself even to hell. Whoa. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Prophets, man, they, they've got some strong speech. You are wearied in the greatness of your way, and you said you're not. There is no hope. You have found the life of your hand. Therefore, you went and grieved. So, when we make fun of things of God, when we mock God, you know, we're not supposed to sit in the seat of the scornful. You know, people who, who scorn a move of God, right, or they make fun of, do you know David's wife? When he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel because it was lost to the Philistines, and he was bringing it back. First, he brought it back on a cart. All right. Number one, the Ark was never meant to be carried on a cart. It was meant to be carried by the Kohathites on the poles. They were a certain group of priests assigned to carry the Ark. Only they could carry the Ark. No one else could. Right. 
So the ark started to tip, and the guy went out and touched it, and he got zapped by God. Right? They died, and David was like upset. So then David repented, and he said, okay, we're going we're gonna to worship God on the way. We're going to do this thing right. Right? And so they brought the ark in, and they would, every thousand feet, they would stop and sacrifice and praise God. And David got so hit with the joy of the Lord that he began jumping up wildly and spinning about. Right? Well, when you do that with a tunic, right? It's only one garment that goes on. The tunic flies up. Right? And so his wife, Michael, or Michal, however you say it, she saw from the window, and she was not impressed the way David worshipped. And he came back home, you know, he was all excited, full of joy of the Lord, and she's like, the king was pretty undignified today. And David looked at her and said, I'll even be more undignified than this. And she was barren for the rest of her life, because she mocked the way that he worshipped. Don't criticize people how you worship. When you get in contact with the power, you don't know what's going to happen. It'll give you a new hairdo. It'll make you roll on the floor, run around. Who knows? It, it can affect you different ways. Amen. Mm. Let's go to Titus chapter 3. I'm almost done. All right. You can see different ways on how deception can come. Titus chapter 3. He was a protege of Paul. Him and Timothy worked together with Paul. They were his trusted confidants. Paul could send Timothy or Titus anywhere to take care of stuff. He sent them to Crete. To, to take care of stuff and to appoint elders in, in all the island. You know, Crete's an island. And, and there were some rough people at Crete. If you, if you do a study on Crete, there were some rough people. And, uh, but Titus was sent there to straighten them out and preach the word. Amen? So Titus 3.1. I'll read this from the Amplified. Remind people to be subject to rulers and authorities. If you're not submitted to authority, you are open for deception. The Bible says in James 4, 7, submit yourselves unto God and the enemy will flee. But if you're not submitted to God, the enemy will be drawn to you. When you're submitted to God, he flees. When you're unsubmitted, he comes to you because that's what he favors. Because he was the first one who wasn't going to submit to God. (laughs) All right. Be obedient and be ready and willing to do good. Verse 2. To slander or abuse no one. That's a pretty strong warning. Be kind and conciliatory and gentle, showing unqualified consideration and courtesy toward everyone. For we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived. At one point, when we didn't know Christ, guess what? We were deceived. All of us. You mean Pastor Doug was deceived? Yeah, when I didn't know Christ, I was deceived. But now that I know Christ, I popped the deception balloon. It can't encompass me. Amen? It can't take over me. Hallelujah. We were enslaved to various sinful desires. Notice we were. 
pleasure spending uh, and wasting our life on malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. But notice verse 4. But when the goodness and kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared. Can you say, aren't you glad for Jesus? Let's give Jesus a shout. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He came. It's because Jesus came. Right? He offered Himself. And because He did what He did, we don't have to be deceived. We can walk in truth. Hallelujah. He saved us, not because of our works of righteousness that we have done, but because his own compassion and mercy. By the cleansing of the new birth, the spiritual transformation, regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Not only did Jesus save us, but he gave us his spirit to help us walk the saved life, to help us live the saved life, to help us live the victorious life. There's nothing that we can't overcome with the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He poured on us richly upon us through Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, God lavished the Holy Ghost on us. He didn't hold back one ounce or one drop of the Holy Ghost. You know, when we sing more love, more power, God gave us all the power He's going to give us. We don't need more. We just got to use what we have. Right? So that we would be justified, made free of the guilt of sin. Sin will make you guilty, but Jesus makes you free. He removes the guilt, shame, and condemnation. Hallelujah. See, when we're deceived, the devil heaps on us guilt, shame, and condemnation. He kicks you to the curb and blames you for it. Because he's a liar. But thank God for Jesus. Through his compassion and undeserved grace, that we would be acceptable to him. Did you know that the minute you accepted Jesus, God accepted you? Hallelujah. He wiped away all the stain and stench of sin. It's gone. Under the blood. Thank God for the blood. Hallelujah. So, how do we... You know, the Bible says that Satan even transforms himself as an angel of light. You know how the Mormon church got started? An angel of light appeared to him, supposedly. His name was Moroni. You take off the eye, what do you get? Moron. Think about that. Are you sure that was an angel? It was an angel of darkness appearing as an angel of light. Right? A whole religion got started off of that. Think about that. All right, so how do we... This is the part that you really want to know, right? I've had enough of this deception part. I want to know how to prevent it. Hallelujah. Go with me to Colossians chapter 2, and I'm going to give you that answer right now. Colossians chapter 2. Oh, God is so good. 
We're going to start with verse 6. Here's how you prevent deception. As you have therefore received Christ. Guess what? Step one in, in overcoming deception, you've got to receive Christ. You've got to receive the anointed one. What does that mean? Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord over my life. I call you Lord. You are God's son. I believe in you. That's all we have to do. That's receiving Christ Jesus. All right? But notice, so walk in him. Not only do you have to receive the truth, but you've got to walk in the truth. Everybody say practice. Say, I'm practicing the truth. God gives us a lifetime to walk in the truth. Amen? We're supposed to walk in the truth every day. It's a journey. It's a marathon. It's not a flash in the pan. It's one day at a time. One step at a time. A walk is a step at a time, isn't it? Putting one foot in front of the other. It's a, it's a moving forward. It's a progressing forward. Right? Once we receive Jesus, well, then we got to walk like Jesus. Because that's our deception preventative medicine, is the truth. And guess what? The, the, what, um, what organization uh, approves things like medicines? FDA, yeah. You don't need the FDA or the EPA to approve anything. The truth has been proven. Amen? Okay, then it says another thing, verse 7. Not only do you have to receive him, not only do you have to walk in him, but number 7, you've got to be rooted and built up in him. What is a root? A root has to be planted. You've got to be planted somewhere. Amen? You've got to be planted and built up in him. Together, we make up the building of God. Everybody say planted. You can't be unplanted and be built up. In order to be planted, you've got to be, in order to be built up, you've got to be planted, right? You can't build a house without a foundation. You've got to plant the foundation so you can build the house, right? If you don't have a foundation, that, that house is going to uh, not last too long. Okay? So you've got to be rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. I must say established in the faith. Say, I'm a student of faith. Hallelujah. Faith comes by what? Hearing. So you've got to be a student of the Word. If you want to be established in faith, you've got to be hearing the Word on a constant, continual basis. Right? Now, notice, as you have been taught, you need someone to teach you. This is Bible. This is how we're going to prevent deception from taking a hold of us. This is how we're going to defeat deception. Amen. When it comes knocking at our door, we're going to open the door and say, oh no, you're not coming in. Right? You're going to resist it. Notice this. If we're not doing these things, look at verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy... Or vain deceit. After the tradition of men. After the rudiments of the world. And not after Christ. Things may look good in the world. But they don't necessarily mean it's good in the kingdom of God. 
And, and guess what? The world wants you to be like them. The world calls you to be like the world, right? Do you know that uh, a lot of magazine covers, you know that they touch them up to make them look perfect? They don't actually, in reality, look just like the, the picture on the magazine. Right? They've been touched up. Right? But see, that's what the enemy does. He'll put poison in a box with a smiley face on it. He's not going to put the skull and crossbones on it. He's going to hide it. If, you know, if you've ever seen a movie where someone poisons someone, they don't do it openly, they do it sneakily, right? Because they don't want their, the person to know that. Because notice in Christ, verse 9, in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Hallelujah. Do you realize that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us? That's who we're supposed to be rooted and built up in Him. When you're in Christ, when you're receiving, when you've received Christ and you're walking with Christ and you're rooted and built up in Him and you're being taught the faith, hallelujah, you are deception-proofed. Deception can't get a hold of you. Deception can't overtake you. It certainly can't lead you astray, and you certainly won't get in the car with it. Right? So that's how we can avoid the enemy's deception. Very simple. Amen? So the Bible warned us not to be deceived. It told us and I didn't even <clears throat> read all the ways, but pride, arrogance, immorality, selfish conceit, all those things the enemy uses to try to lead you astray. But aren't you glad that God has us on the right path? There is a path of righteousness for his name's sake, and he has led every one of us on that path. And if we stay with the guiding light, right? And if we listen to the GPS on the inside of us, the Holy Ghost, right? We will stay that path. And we will avoid the trouble on the right. We will avoid trouble on the left. And we will get to our destination. Amen? Say, I will not be deceived. Because I trust Jesus. I love His Word. His Word is a shield... And a buckler from deception. He's my protector. He's my deliverer. He's my helper. Hallelujah. Amen. Did you know that the disciples, when they followed Jesus, they didn't get deceived? Even though they made mistakes, they knew where to come back to. Right? When you make a mistake, you got to know where to come back to. The number one most important decision that a person can make is to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. God is so much wanted. He wants a relationship with every one of us. And if you're here today and if you've never received Jesus into your heart, you can. It's a free gift. He will come in. He comes in by invitation only. He doesn't force his way in because he's a gentleman. And... uh, you know, 
So many lies. I mean, I think about this. The church that I grew up in, it has convinced every person in that church to take a vow of poverty. You talk about deception. But yet the headquarters of, of that church are lavish. Think about that. They don't take a vow of poverty at the top. But you know what? Jesus came to save you. He came to heal you. He came to strengthen you. He came to restore you. If you need any of that right now, if you need strength, or if you need help, or if you need healing, or if you need a direction for your life, amen, maybe you just need wisdom. My goodness, I mean, life has enough trouble in itself. We need the wisdom of God, don't we? Things come at us, things confront us. If you need any of those things, I just want you to stand up right now. Hallelujah. And if you're watching online, Lord, we just pray for those people who have heard this message. And I pray, Lord, that I thank you so much that you've delivered them from deception. Lord, you you have called them to yourself. You have created a way, Lord, where they can walk and live and operate in the truth. And Lord, I just pray that you open their eyes of understanding right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, just put a a love for the truth in their heart. And I just thank you, Lord, that they will cling to Jesus. They will receive Jesus. They'll walk in Jesus. They'll be rooted in Jesus. They'll grow in the faith in the name of Jesus. I give you thanks and praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you need any of those things that I mentioned... If you need to know Jesus, if you need healing, if you need strength, if you need direction, I just want you to come up right now. Come up front in the name of Jesus. And you're going to receive. Hallelujah. You don't be deceived because you receive from Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And you know what? The enemy will deceive a person, then he'll condemn you for being deceived. But God is going to free you this morning. Hallelujah. Father, I, I just give you thanks and praise for making things clear and plain in the name of Jesus right now. And I thank you, Lord, that truth resides in her heart and in her mind, Lord. The truth is what Jesus said in his word. That you are what he said you are. You are healed. You are whole. You are called. You are anointed. For the things that I have for you, says the Lord, I will not let the enemy interfere because you're one who knows how to draw near. Draw near to me, says the Lord, and I will draw near to you. And I will show myself strong on your behalf right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and praise for your anointing. Lord, I ask you to anoint these two with fresh oil in the name of Jesus. I ask you, Lord, to give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your Son. Lord, that they are equipped to handle everything that comes their way. Lord, you are their deliverer. You are their rescuer. You are their Lord in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you, Lord, for doing a new thing in the name of Jesus. Oh, we give you thanks and praise. 
Hallelujah. Lord, touch them with your power. Touch them with your grace. Fill them with your love in the name of Jesus. And I give you thanks and praise, Lord, that you watch over them. You never leave them nor forsake them. But Lord, you give them your wisdom in the name of Jesus. They have solutions to problems. They have answers. Lord, they have direction in the name of Jesus. Sometimes they've wondered, where do you go from here? And the Lord says, you go right here. I'm here. You bring it to me. You cast your cares to me. And I'll take care of them. I'll take care of you. Because I love you. I love you. I love you with an everlasting love. I love you, says the Lord. I love you. I love you. I love you. My love for you is sufficient. It'll hold up under anything. It'll bear up under anything. It'll help you. It'll show you the way. I thank you, Lord, for your grace that abounds in Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Father, for filling them and touching them and surrounding them. I speak peace right now. I speak the peace of God that keeps their heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The shalom of God in Jesus' name. May you experience the the peace that passes understanding. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, I give you thanks and praise, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Lord, the plans that you have for her to prosper her, but not to harm her, Lord, to give her an expected end. Lord, you brought her from the depths. You brought her out, Lord, and you're doing great and mighty things in her, through her, and to her, Lord. Your strength is upon her. Your goodness is upon her. Your grace is flowing to her in the name of Jesus. Strengthen her now. Show her, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Order her steps. And I thank you, Lord, that you delight in her way. And you give her courage and strength in the name of Jesus to follow the path of God. Hallelujah. I just thank you, Lord, that you anoint her with the oil of joy. Joy. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the goodness of God is her strength in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we give you thanks and praise, Father. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done. Where you brought her from. What you're doing in her life. I thank you, Lord, for the blessings of the Lord. Make her rich and add no sorrow with it. In the name of Jesus. Lord, and I thank you that you show her the way in which she... She needs to go in the name of Jesus. She hears your voice behind her saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Be strong and be brave and be bold. And God is going to take you to great heights. Great heights and greater things. Greater things. Greater things. Greater things. And great strength for greater things in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for touching her and filling her full. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Someone say praise the Lord. If you're going to walk in truth, I want you to stand up and say amen. And begin praising God for his truth. 
Amen. I love His truth. His truth heals me. His truth saves me. His truth calls me. His truth comforts me. His truth helps me. His truth leads me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, following God is a much better way to go to the enemy. Because he leads you to nothing but dead ends. And guess what? He's going to hell and we're not. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Have an awesome week. God bless you.